Katara Skye is a medicine woman, an explorer, who helps people find their truth by teaching intuition, working with subconscious mind, and through the natural medicine of shamanism. She uses medical hypnotherapy, energy medicine, Reiki, and shamanism to help her clients reach health and wellness. In this episode, she gives a demonstration on myself that gives a real-life example on how powerful these methods can really be. If you have road rage like myself or any sort of pains, you really need to listen to this one. Please enjoy. Welcome to the Kaka TV podcast, your source for all things health, happiness, and beauty. Hi, Katara. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you for having me. So before we begin into what energy is and energy medicine, tell us a little bit about you and your journey. Oh, well, it's a long way from home now. I'm in Australia, but I used to be in Canada. I'm born and raised in Montreal. I'm second generation Canadian. And I had a very studious background. I studied in finance and accounting, trying to make it in the corporate world. And after more than a decade of doing that, I find myself doing things completely differently. I work as a full-time healer, spiritual teacher, and really helping people to find their truth, to find a little bit of peace and create a better world, whether it's in health and their happiness, but really to see beauty in life and to see themselves as whole and complete. And that's what I love to do, to connect with people and help them on their journeys. So what are these energies that are around us and how are they impacting us? Wow. Let's start with the biggest question yet, huh? <laughs> well, energy is all around us. And in fact, we are energy beings. You know, think about when you meet someone and you feel their vibe. Do they feel vibrant? Do they feel down in the dumps, you know, we're picking up on their energy. If you go outside, maybe into a crowded shopping mall, in, the, in a party, you feel the vibe. Oh, it's pumping. It's really exciting. Or, oh, there's no life at this restaurant. You know, those are all energies. And then it comes down to, well, actually, we are part of that energy. We're emanating a bit of that vibrancy, a bit of that life. Or perhaps we're also emanating a bit of our own stress, our own anxiety. And so I think, you know, sharing with what is energy to anyone who hasn't really learned about it or talk about it in the way that I intimately live it every day, it's just being aware that we are energy beings, we're broadcasting a signal, an energy signal, and everything around us, including people, places, events, are also broadcasting an energy. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. If we have all this energy constantly influencing us, are there any ways that we can protect ourselves from the negative energies? Yeah, I do think so. I do think so. I think the first step, you know, in sharing this kind of energy work with everyone, the first step is awareness. The first step is actually seeing, well, how do I feel? When I wake up in the morning, I actually check in with myself. It's like, what do I feel today? Do I feel alive, like in that vibrant kind of way? Do I feel ah, exhausted, even though I've slept all night? Do I feel content? Do I feel hopeful? Those are all checking into what I actually feel. And why is that important? Because once we go outside, let's say we're meeting our friends, or we're out in the environment, we're out there in society, somewhere else in a party, wherever, we are like thrown into the pool of everybody else's energy that we need to actually be able to differentiate what's ours and what is somebody else's and what is the collective. And so protection can't happen until we actually have an awareness of, well, is there something to protect against? Do you know what I mean? Like we have to actually feel, oh, well, that fear is outside of me. And so therefore, then you want to work with, well, how do you disperse that fear? How do you be not plugged into that fear? How do we release that from ourselves because it's not actually something we want? So maybe reframing protection a bit to how do we 
maneuver in all these energies that are going on? Like, what are we supposed to do with it now that we have an awareness of energy? Do you find that people who have had maybe more stressful childhoods are more sensitive to the energies of others? Mm, good question. Um, I think it depends. It does depend. Like if I use my personal example, as a child, I mean, all my life, I never would have said I was a hypersensitive or empathic person. And if I reflect in my childhood, I think that there was a lot of things going on, whether it's my parents fighting and having a constant stressor in the house. Um, I think I wasn't really invited to or wasn't allowed to actually feel my feelings. And so I didn't, I wasn't equipped to know how to deal with them. And then over time and in my adult life, you're thrown into more and more complex emotional situations, right? Like think of all the relationships we have, think of our work relationships and all of that. It then led me to really feel all these things and not know how to deal with it. I mean, as a child, if we don't know how to deal with it, that's one thing. We cry about it. Our parents take care of us. Somebody is telling us what to do. But as we become adults, if we still don't know how to deal with our emotions or be aware of what we're actually feeling, we could respond in unskillful ways. We lash out at others. We can get angry without you know, knowing what it is and put it on someone else, you know, when someone else becomes your punching bag. And so I'm, I'm super empathic. I can feel what other people feel, their emotions. <laughs> I can really pick it up in their energy. And so that's why that awareness is super important because people need to, to learn and re-understand that it is possible. All the things that you feel you know, it's, it's not scary to have that. It can be a skill to have, like imagine that you can be aware of what everyone else is feeling, how skillful, how resourceful can that be if you're someone that works with people all the time. So I think sensitivity is something that we all actually have, but it's learning to recognize it and learning to use it as a tool and something positive rather than something you have to protect yourself against. At least that's how I like to look at it. I use it more like a tool now. Like it helps me in so many ways because I'm much more aware of it now. I know that for as far as I am concerned, I am definitely more empathic, more sensitive to the energies of others. And my husband is too. And I know that we both had stressful childhood, completely different stresses, not serious stresses, but definitely there were stresses. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah. What are some ways that we can maybe not stress out our child? <laughs> That's a big question as well. <laughs> Only big questions, Kat. I love it. Not stress out our child. Mm. Well, what I'm getting, and I'm, I'm saying that because I don't, I don't have um, a human child. <laughs> I have child projects and things that I'm birthing, but I don't have a child. But what I'm feeling, and obviously having been a child myself, it's actually trying to hold that space. And I know that sounds a little bit fluffy right now, but bear with me for a second. It's actually being empathic, sensitive to the child's needs. Now imagine, so let's just say a child is, you know, let's just say in the non-speaking years, you know, three years old. If they're stressed out, their likely way of communicating that to you is by crying, you know, by screaming out because they don't have the intellect yet to share with them, share with you what they're really feeling. They can't tell you, they can't articulate. And so as a parent, you know, one thing that we really can do is instead of responding with your own aggression, instead of responding with, yes, your own stresses, the fact that you've got a million things to take care of and you don't know what your three-year-old's actually trying to say, is actually having that soothingness, that compassion to be like, I'm here, what is it that you need? You know, actually sending or sharing that loving, compassionate, and holding energy that it's okay, it's okay. And the reason that I simplify it to that is a lot of times, it's not just a three-year-old. It's our adult partners that are also crying out for help, that are also crying out in their stress. And in a similar childlike way, they don't always have the articulation to share exactly what is going on with them. 
You know, like think of when you're really stressed or something's really going on for you. You're not always going to come to your most calm and peaceful state and explain that to someone. You're having an agitation. You're having something going on. And so when something is going on, like in your partner and they're agitated, or whether it's your three-year-old child, it's being able to just pause for a second and saying, okay, what are you feeling? What's actually going on? And allowing them, giving them permission to actually express themselves, because that's what we want to do as human beings. We want to be expressed and to be heard and to give them that space to do it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, it does. I am lucky because my husband and I were both into psychology. He actually took courses on how to communicate with people. So he's superb at like when I'm stressed out, he's like, and why does that make you feel like that? And what are some things that we can do? (laughs) And it's super technical, but it instantly calms you down. And I do the same thing to him, which is great. And I know most people don't have that type of background and can't do that. But I can definitely see how something like that is incredibly beneficial because this is the only person I've ever had any relationship with that had this skill. And it is a complete game changer for everything. Yeah. And you guys are so lucky that you both have it. But even if like your audience out there, whoever, you know, even if just one person has that awareness of what, let's just pause and take a breath. That's all you need. Just one person in the conversation in a group of two, three bigger to be able to do that. And you guys have each other. So that's really amazing to really hold that space for each other. So I'm trying to think of some situations. Like for example, I live in Miami where driving is crazy. Everybody's very aggressive here on the road. rage is super common. Everybody I know has road rage. I don't think I know anyone who doesn't unless they're on some sort of like uh, medication. So they're like hyper medicated and they're very Mm. monotone from that. But like most of us who are unmedicated, we get road rage. So what are some things that we can do when we're just in that situation where we're almost, we're almost dead. Somebody almost killed us, which happens a lot here. And we just have to come back. Like it didn't happen. We got away with it. Like we survived. Let's calm down quickly and not make this a thing. So would you say that your road rage, so like just personally, not anyone else's road rage, is it like that fear and intense anxiety of, holy shit, that could have been something happening to me? Is it that kind of response? Or is it more someone cut you off and you get that anger to like do the same to the next person? It's okay. Oddly, let's get specific. All right. So I'm in line to pick up my daughter from school, right? And there's a huge line. And then if, and we're like all in line, all the cars are lined up. And then somebody will just be like, I'm just going to cut off 50 cars and just put my blinker on and just squeeze in because they're not paying attention for a split second. And then I'm enraged. Yeah. Because I'm just like, you saw the line. I've been here an hour before and now you're coming in here. Come on. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like a terrible line person as well. It doesn't even have to be cars. I think when I see people butt in line. And so you know what I'm getting that it's like the same that you just said about how your husband and you ask each other questions. It's like when that happens, what is the emotion that it triggers in you? And I'm feeling it's, it's what I just felt in you is that it's the feeling of that's unjust. It's not fair. There's something that you're taking something from me, right? And if it's that, if it's your space, your rightful number in line or whatever it is, your time even, what I feel like it's that emotion of it's unjust. It's a a feeling of loss. And so at that particular moment, of course, there's not much that you can do to take it back per se. And so if we're talking about energy, it's like, coming to address, well, how do I heal? How do I address this feeling of unjustness and loss that's probably happening to you more and more often because you're on the roads every day or whatever, often. And so every time that that thing happens, it makes you feel this way. So that energy is supercharged. That energy is supercharged. And every time that someone cuts you off, it's going to bring it up. 
So I wouldn't be surprised that if you actually worked on a little bit of that energy of what does loss mean to me? What does unjust or lack of justice mean? How has that presented in my life? And heal that, heal that in an energetic way, an energetic imprint, emotional way. I wouldn't be surprised if you responded to other people's road rage in a different way. Does that make sense? Hmm, that's interesting. I'm listening. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, that's cool. what I mean. Like when we do energy work, right, we're applying it to very practical things. Road rage is real. This is very real. But, you know, with everything that happens outside, outside of us, because we can't control other people's, you know, actions on the road, we can't control, you know, illnesses, diseases, and all of these things, right? We want health and wellness. But everything has an emotional, an energetic imprint in there. And because that imprint is alive, it's mm, wreaking havoc in other areas of life. This is the physical manifestation. Because the imprint of loss and lack of justice is present, every time something that triggers that emotion, aka road rage, aka, I don't know, someone swiping your table that you've saved at the restaurant, whatever. Those are all just physical things that happen that trigger the same emotional imprint. And therefore you respond in that same emotional way. And so if we remove that energetic imprint, then in all the physical events that happen, aka road rage and you know whatever else, you may respond to it in a different way because the emotional trigger isn't there anymore. That's the theory. That's how I look at everything. Everything has an emotional, energetic reason. Okay, so I understand that. But what about if you do that, you're basically letting everybody walk all over you? Yeah, really, really well said. And so that's just it, right? Everything that happens outside is actually what's happening inside of us. And when I say inside of us, I mean in our emotional well-being, in our inner world. And so right now, you're perceiving that if I let this man rightfully enter in and I don't respond, it's making a part of you feel that, you know, that it's okay. It's like you're giving him the permission to do that. And so that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's never going to be okay. But if you take care of just your part, you just only take care of what part of cat is feeling these perceptions of loss and lack of justice, let's just say, and you resolve that, then the next time he actually cuts in line, you don't feel that. And so he never needs to know that just because you didn't respond, he'll never know whether you were okay or not. He'll never know whether Kat has responded that, oh, you know, this woman uh, is totally, you know, I don't know, accepting, totally generous. You have no idea what's going on in his mind. He might think, thank goodness she let me cut in line because otherwise I wouldn't have made, I don't know, some other urgent appointment. And so what I'm saying is that we never know what's going on in other people's perceptions either. You could have been his lifesaver for all you know. And the only thing that you can control is what's going on in your mind, in your inner reality, in your perceptions of things. And so when you heal that thing of, well, this is not about my loss, this is not about my justice, and that you reframe it to whatever positive thing or whatever reframe you've positioned it to be, you no longer have any reaction that says that this is okay. It will be completely reframed to whatever it is that's relevant for you. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's let's try it. All right, so this okay. guy or girl or whoever cuts me off and I see the same car every single day and it's always cutting me or somebody off, right? Mm. <laughs> or going to the front of the line and then backing in a little bit, like which is completely out of this world rude, but whatever. So they're doing that. I can reframe it as there they go again. Um, maybe they are actually – I don't know. Gosh, I can't even do it. <laughs> I can't even. Yeah, yeah, okay. It. All right. Well, so let, let me help you here. 
So is this a real case? Is it actually the same guy yes. every day? <laughs> I hope yes, he listens it's the same to this guy. podcast. <laughs> he doesn't, of course. All right. And so let's just go there. So every time he does that, I want you to be aware, since it's happened many times now, what's the first thoughts that come to your mind? What is it that you accuse him of? What is it that you feel every time that he does it? First words that come. That he thinks his time is more valuable than anybody else's in line. Yeah. So he's taking time away from you, right? And so how does that feel for you? If you were to name that emotion, because someone has stolen time from you, how does that make you feel? That uh, that he thinks he's above everybody or me and okay. all these other people. Yeah. I don't know. So that might be what he's feeling. <laughs> so I just want you, and I can't see you now because I'm only hearing you. I want you to just close your eyes <laughs> for a second. And if you went into the heart to say, he is doing this. He has taken my time. But come into the heart and I want you to feel. And how does that make me feel? Do I feel small? Do I feel belittled? Do I feel not seen? What is it that it makes you feel because somebody does that? Hmm. Probably like they think I'm like maybe less than them. Yeah. And if so I want sense. you to hear those words. You said they think I'm less than them. And so if you come into yourself and really connect, whether it's your inner child or your adult self or the part of you that feels that, is it that you feel, you feel that you're less than them? I don't think I do. Yeah, but I want you to own it, right? I'm asking how you feel, not what they must be thinking. So they already did it. They cut you off. They've taken time from you. So I want you to, as if you're looking at yourself, so how does that make you feel? And it's hard because we don't, often actually look at feeling. We think a lot. We think, we think, we think. So what's the emotion? So probably like anger? Yes, anger. Anger. Yes. I don't know. I can't, I can't say anything else. Yeah. I know. Yeah, anger is good. And so if anger was to actually express itself to say, well, what is it that you actually want what is it that if you could tell him to his face of your need, what is your need? Anger needs something. We all need things. So your anger needs something. And if you can come face to face, not in a confrontational way or whatever, and you were really just sharing with him, hey, mate, you just you know stole a bit of my time and I am angry. And what is it that you need? Mm, to be respected. To be respected. All right, so now just for a moment, we're gonna take ourselves out of this car situation and in our day-to-day, -day, in our day-to-day, -day, how can we demonstrate, how can we validate, how can we prove that you are respecting yourself? What are things that you do? Do you do enough that shows that you are respecting yourself? What can you give yourself to show this? I give myself good food, a, a good amount of sleep, lots of self-care time, mm -hmm. and playtime. I do that for myself. And does that feel like it's taking care of you? I Are feel like I'm taking care of me, so I yeah. do. What about in the context of when you're relating to other people? So not necessarily this guy. But whether it's in your partnerships, your friendships, your work relationships, your podcast guests, do you ever feel like there's moments in which you're not truly respecting yourself? And that can come in boundaries, right? We, we talked a bit earlier about boundaries in our chit-chat. Do you ever feel in your relations with others that there's something that you could do a bit more in respecting yourself? In any way. Hmm. Interesting. So maybe in general, sometimes I don't say what I feel because I'm afraid that they are going to because I know some people have the opposite opinions that I do, mm. so I hold back. Yes, that's it. That's it. I'm feeling it in my body, so I'm just getting a full body. Yes, that this is it. So what have we done? So I'm showing you that in your day-to-day -day and in your relating with others in whatever situation, 
you're saying that you don't always speak up. You don't always say what you need to say. Maybe there's a bit of resistance to, or maybe they have a different opinion, right? So that is one demonstration of how you are actually in your inner world perceiving it to be that you're not respecting yourself. Okay, and respect, you know, it's a very loaded word, but just see it as a boundary that you haven't actually stood up for yourself. And so that energy is there. And so when it's triggered by other events, like this dude who's cut you off, it brings up the same feeling of, it's like I'm not being heard. I'm not standing up for myself. I do have a fundamental difference in opinion that people should wait in line respectfully for their turn. So that thing that he does every day keeps, it's like a a thorn in your side that triggers this other energy of you're not speaking up for yourself. And so when you heal that, when I say the word heal, what does that mean? That doesn't mean you need to go and tell this guy to F off. It means come, you could, okay, you could, but it won't sell anything. (laughs) You come back to the things you can control, the things that, well, in my relations, let's say whoever, right, your podcast guest, whoever, I'm just using that as an example, you need to start bit by bit and standing up for yourself and expressing that difference of opinion and having the courage to stand in it, which is another thing. And seeing how you can heal that part of, well, because I stand up for myself now, that means I respect myself. I give myself the need that this anger has, which is actually about respect, which is actually about respect. And we wouldn't ordinarily have thought that. Like, who, how could I have pieced together that your anger from this road rage is actually related to your sense of self-respect? So that's where underlying energy comes into play. Something happening in your day-to-day is bringing up energy, emotion. What is emotion but E? Energy in motion. So once we understand where that energy and emotion is coming from, then we go and we address that. And we need to take, people need to take purposeful actions in their day-to-day in order to heal it. So... Your action and decision is to choose one scenario, one thing, one relationship you want to work on in which you can step up to say, you know what, I am just going to say my opinion whether this person likes it or not. That's giving yourself that expression. That's giving yourself that self-respect that your anger, aka a part of you, needs in order to resolve that. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I like it. Yeah, good. So I'm not saying that tomorrow you're not going to get angry, cat. That's not what I'm promising. What I'm saying is take the actions in the day-to-day and see how that shifts and changes your response to that other situation because they're all linked. And once you peel that thread of that energy out, then it removes the emotional charge and it can give you peace and relief across the board. Okay. So how can energy, I mean, if, I guess if someone has like maybe thousands of these different types of situations going on in their Mm. lives in the day to day, how can that affect them to make them sick over time? Yeah. So I, I'm not, I'm not a medical doctor, but in my experience of working with energy medicine and obviously working with other practitioners, I'm a medical hypnotherapist as well. I believe that once the physical body actually has some disease, 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 illness. It's actually after long repeated, repeated instances of whatever the situation is, the energy that's present. And that's actually taken a denser and denser form. Let's take a very broad example. Okay. So for women, because your show is for women, something like breast cancer, for example, And I'm not, you know, this is for people to explore. This is nothing dogmatic about what I'm sharing, but there's lots of information that's out there. But for example, lots of feminine wounds, okay, energetic feminine things that we need to work on is how to actually give to ourselves, how we take care of ourselves. Because inherently as women, 
We're such nurturers. We're such caregivers to our children, to our husbands, to our community, right? Like that's a womanly, it's an inherent thing. And because we give so much, often one of the wounds, the core wounds that the feminine have is the inability to actually nurture ourselves. Again, I'm talking about at a deeper emotional, energetic, spiritual layer. And so how that might actually present in the body is in the worst and one of the highest you know, concentrated densities, it's actually in potentially breast cancer because that's the part where we nurture, right? Our children feed from our, from our breast, from our bosom. We produce this, you know, milk and all this stuff, but it's like you're, you're suckling at the chest. And so women, this is one theory, right? And everyone out there, please feel free to explore. Please don't take everything I say at face value, explore it. It's like that density of that inability to care and give self-nourishment can get so dense, right? We're talking about lightness and density of energy that it can become a physical dis-ease in the body, such as breast cancer. So I'm giving a very, you know, extreme example. But any illness that we have, any thought forms, quality of our thoughts, if we repeatedly think of things like, I'm not good enough, for example, the I'm not good enough energy may take some physical form in your body. It might be, uh, I don't know, all, all, all kinds of illnesses, but even something as light as tension, all the way to a tumor, all the way to some part of our body that doesn't work as it should, all the way to foreign things that are you know, happening in our body, any, any of these diseases. So anytime I even have an ache or pain, I'm talking about more obvious illnesses you know, for us, I will always start with the question of, well, where does this come from? And I will do that work to link it all the way back to what emotion is it? And where does that come from? How long have I feeling this? And it's never surprising that you'll see a chain of similar patterns, similar emotions that are all related to that thing. Because by the time you have a physical thing going on in the body, it's been a long time. It's been a long time that you're in that energy. So I'm trying to think of, because you mentioned feminine energy. A lot of the women that listen to my podcast, they have PCOS, which is basically you have really high testosterone. So Mm -hmm. these women are very, and I'm myself included, I have PCOS too. So we have very high testosterone and we are very masculine tendencies. So we don't really, I know that my friends that have endometriosis and the ones that listen, they are more nurturing Mm. because they have high estrogen, but the ones that have the PCOS, I just see them as very masculine energy. Mm. So could that in itself cause an imbalance in us? Are we supposed to be that masculine? Does Mm. it really, is that a problem or is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. Actually, my husband is doing his thesis on PCOS. (laughs) He's, uh, yeah, he's a Chinese medicine practitioner and uh, this is where he's studying I feel that all the, again, feminine stuff, right? From anything from how severe our cramps can be when we have our period, how we perceive child labor to be. Is it going to be painful? Is it going to be the biggest blessing in the world? How we relate to our womb, our creation. This is our creation, our womb, okay? We are, ma- we are cosmic beings of creation, And how that energy, because we are ultimately right now anyway in this lifetime, we're in female bodies, but we do have feminine and masculine energies, absolutely. And when when we need to embody and have both of them, right? It's like yin and yang. We're not saying that just because we're female, we only have feminine energy. No, we need to have both. And so I don't know if in PCOS it's because it's imbalanced in the masculine and the feminine, but generally what I feel is you know, these issues and diseases that only relate to women like PCOS, like the endo, I can't even say that word, but that long one you said, <laughs> <laughs> or like cramps and, and, and childbirth. These are all women specific things, right? I, I would not be surprised if these core woundings will relate to things that are feminine. You know, in the past, I have thought patterns. I have thought patterns of 
I'm not going to make it in this world as, uh, as female. Maybe there's an inferiority thing. I and mean, these are very subconscious, right? Like you might, you might never think these things. You will never act in these things. But perhaps subconsciously, it could be that inferiority to, to men. And so we make it up by having more masculine energy, let's just say. Or perhaps it's that inability to really embrace the feminine and surrender to our creation power, to the fact that we're nurturing and caregivers and all of these things. So it's about being able to embrace both energies and seeing what actually is causing disruption. So if I look back at my corporate life, I'll give an example. It hasn't shown up in a physical way in my body, but I recognize it as an imbalance in the feminine and the masculine energy. When I used to work in corporate, I was, yeah, sure, feminine, looking beautiful, wearing dresses, all that stuff. But my energy was very masculine. I had to get things done. I was always in boardrooms full of men. It was cutthroat. It was like this alpha male in me, but, you know, just dressed in high heels and a dress. <laughs> and I find that if I look at that compared to myself now, it's a completely different way of being. I still might have things that I need to get done now, right? Appointments to make, podcasts to make it in time for, whatever it is, schedules to keep. But I do it in a much more feminine way allowing myself to say, you know what, I'm on my first day of my bleed today. I don't feel like doing anything and actually being okay with that. That actually is a demonstration of honoring the feminine energy as opposed to, well, no, I've got 10 appointments lined up today. I'm just going to do it because that's what my schedule says. That's a bit more masculine. And so if we apply that into our health arena and all these diseases that we might have, you know, how does masculine and feminine energy show up in your life? Where is it that, you know, again, on an emotional and spiritual level, where is the imbalance and how do I take care of them? And as you remove them, you may experience more wellness, more healing from those physical things. So I think that we're always going to be both energies, but it's really seeing, is it more of the feminine we need to embrace and actually allow that for ourselves? whether it's breast cancer and nurturing ourselves and whatever, or balancing out to say, you know what, there's just way too much masculine energy in my in, in me. Does that kind of analogy make sense? Yeah, it does. But at the same time, I really love being masculine <laughs> energy. Yes. I really, really love it. And I know that like, can put a lot of men off in particular, like they just don't get it. Or they're just mm. like, oh, I want – or they'll think of themselves. I want someone who caters to me. I could never put up with a girl like you. And I'm just like, good. I would like to repel people like you. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's great, Kat. Like, we do need to love who we are, you know, wherever we are. Because we are just evolving and growing beings at all times, right? And even if I've got tons of flaws, I still, you know, love who I am. I love that I'm experiencing it all and growing through it all. So I don't think there's a, any part of me that would say, no, you know, you should be a certain way. I think it's our personal and individual choices of what, what do we want to work on? Is there something I want to work on? Loving yourself no matter where you're at in that journey anyway. And this is where resonance comes in, right? If your partner or other partners, your friends, if they're not vibing with you to say, oh, that's too, that's too whatever, right? Insert word here then that's why you're not in resonance. That's why we have the friends that we do. That's why we attract the people that we do for our, for our work, for our, our life and everything like that. And that's where energy again comes into play. It's just that, you know, birds of a feather flock together, that kind of thing. You know, so when, where <laughs> yes. your energy is, that's what you're attracting. And so the question to ask is, is this where I want to be? Am I happy with it? And if the answer is yes, then there's nothing that you need to do. If the answer is no for anything, do I want to respond in this way to my road rage? Do I want to have PCOS? And if the answer is no to any of that, it's like, well, what can I do differently? I've tried X, Y, and Z modality. I've looked into this and this and this layer. What else are you willing to do to make that change? It's only when you choose and you have that choice point at all times, when you choose to look at it differently, to experience something else, then hopefully that can be the, 
spiral path and journey to finding the relief and peace that you're looking for because you're choosing to look for something different if that's what you want. So how does energy medicine really work? Do you need to have a diagnosis first? How do you know what to do? Yeah, well, we've actually been doing it the whole conversation <laughs> because energy is, you know, it's, it's just there. And of course, to our visible eyes, for the most part, people still don't see them, but we feel it, right? Like I feel your energy over this call. So what is energy medicine? Energy medicine is really getting to that layer of it, right? Like just in that facilitated conversation, dropping you from responding in rage to this guy to it's actually about self-respect for myself and speaking up. That facilitated journey is the beginning of energy work. And so how does someone tune into it? How does somebody tap into it? Well, you can use the word diagnosis. I, I just say it's a tune-in. We're all plugged into the whole field, the field of information that's available to us. And so I work in a, in a spiritual way, but kind of connecting to spirit and asking, you know, all our loving and divine support to say, show me, show me what Kat's road rage thing is all about. And I will get that feeling in myself, you know, and everyone can do this, but of course I've, you know, trained to do it and help people to identify it. So it's like really, it's like I'm pulling, pulling, um, I'm seeing like a tug of, what do you call it? Tug of war, like rope, like I'm just pulling it out of you. I'm pulling the information that's at the tip of your tongue, that's at the tip of your feeling that you might not be able to pinpoint, but I help you. I help you to see it. And then once we have it out on the open and we know what it is, ah, oh, it's self-respect, then we can actually work with it in a 3D way in our day-to-day. -day. And that's why I asked you, what is the action that you can do for yourself in order to resolve it? Because it's, it's not useful, all the things that we see from spirit and, and journeys and crazy meditations and amazing. But once you get that information, it's important that people take action from it. They bring it into their reality. They bring it into their day-to-day. -day. And so I say energy medicine is working at the heart of things because that is what informs everything else in your reality. Our thoughts, our imagination is actually what creates reality. And that might be far-fetched to believe, but everything was in our imagination before it was invented. Everything was the, the creation begins in thought. And so working in that way is simply being able to take what's non-ordinary, very subtle, very hard to see, touch and feel, and bringing it to more light, bringing it into our awareness so that we can actually allow it to take form and do the things that's needed to be done to change that around. That's energy medicine, shifting things at a very subtle and unconscious layer and bringing it into consciousness, bringing it into our awareness in all aspects of our life, whatever it is that we want to look at. So I'm trying to think of like something useful that would happen to someone. Let's say somebody gets a pain like a migraine. How can they use energy medicine on themselves? Do they just like walk them themselves through like, okay, I have this pain. What is it trying to tell me? Mm. Where is that? How does that happen? Yeah. If I have to leave your audience with one little thing to even start practicing, and experimenting with it absolutely is this it is talking to that thing so I want you to imagine like I want people to personify things okay because it makes it easier and so let me give an example and we'll come back to the migraine if that inner voice in your head was always speaking to you perhaps let's just say it's the inner critic if you personified your inner critic to be you know let's call him Bob if Bob was to come over to your house every day and criticize you, oh, you didn't do this well enough, oh, that, that wasn't good enough, or this is just a... If that Bob walked into your house every day and talked to you like your inner critic of your mind did, you wouldn't welcome him to your house, would you? <laughs> so when you personify something like this migraine, so let's come back to the migraine. All right, migraine, if you were to be an adjective, how would I describe it? If this migraine was to be a shape or an object in my mind, how does it actually feel in my head? And you would then maybe get to, you know what, it feels like it's taking up space and it feels like, I don't know, like a tennis ball, right? Like you've given it a little personality 
And then you communicate that thing. Well, why are you there? What are you trying to tell me? And there's no set, you know, slew of questions to ask, but even just starting something simple of what are you here to share with me? And it can be anything, right? Like, let's make a few possibilities up. You didn't sleep enough last night. It's the energy in the air. You're not hydrating enough. You're not taking care of yourself. Oh, this is your periods coming. You know what I mean? Everyone's headache or migraine can be something completely different. And even beginning with that simple questioning of, let me just ask myself, because your body has an innate intelligence. And so we begin with having these conversations. And of course, I might do it a little bit more skillfully. I've trained years for it. You know, I'm able to discern whether it's your mind or, you know, something deeper, your innate intelligence talking to you. But we have to start. We start somewhere. And it is over time that we actually then learn to trust ourselves and really trust the information that we get. So I do. I do ask myself things all the time. Is this headache because of something that is imbalanced in me? Or is it communicating something? So, you know, even headaches, like, for example, when you get your period, you know, it's a woman's show here. When I get my period and I have a headache, it's because heat is rising in the body. It's all going into the head. So that's why it's indicating to you, mm, things are going on in the body. So your, your body is communicating with you. But sometimes in the Western model, model the medical model, we think that these are signs and symptoms that we have to take pills for to numb it out, to cut it out. That's the Western model, as opposed to a more holistic, a sacred model, an Eastern model even, of looking at everything has to be in harmony. If something is presenting in the body as a sign and symptom, is to show you that there's something else going on, is trying to tell you. But we have to learn the language of our body. We have to learn how to actually listen to it. So absolutely, migraine, dis-ease in the body, talk to it. Talk to it like it's a persona. Talk to it like it's going to give you the answers. Do it in a paper form. Do it in your mind like imagination and just try it out and see if the same problem that's been plaguing you for a long time begins to tell you things that you haven't actually thought of before. That's what I'd say people can start with. Okay. So I want to try that. So let's say I get a migraine before my period. Do I tell myself, well, this is probably because I need to relax before my period and my body wants me to do nothing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, we can go back to a moment if you'd like. So instead of hypothesizing, can we drop into a moment? I know, but this is how we do energy work, right? In energy work, there is no time and space. You can actually be there now. Would you like to do it? Yeah. All right. So just for a moment, close your eyes. Deep breath in. And letting all expectation go of what this is actually going to, how this is going. And I can feel your excitement of, hmm, this is interesting. (laughs) And so I want you to come back maybe to that last period, the last period that you had and you had a migraine just before. And I want you to really see yourself be there as if you can almost feel the migraine, but no pain is going to come, but you know what it feels like. Can you be there? Yeah, so as if you can imagine that migraine now. So let's let's have a look at it. If you were to describe it in an adjective, what is it? Throbbing, poking, heavy. What's the adjective you would use to describe it? Stabbing my eye and my jaw. Yeah, good one. <laughs> and if it was taking like a form, you know, because it's in your head, right? It could be a tennis ball. It could be pokey a pokey spiky ball, like just completely use your imagination. What form does it actually take? Like a throbbing spiky form. Yeah, I see that as well. Amazing. And so if this form, I just for a moment want you to take it out from the head, right? It's so easy because you're just using imagination and put it in front of your mind's eye. So as if you can see it just a foot away from you and you're going to ask it, What is your message for me this time? What's your message for me this time? And you're going to allow the message to come. It could be words. It could be the first thing that came up in your feeling. It could be a knowing. It could also change the image into something else. Just give it a few seconds to present and really trust that the right thing will present and have no attachment to what comes and ask, what is your message for me now? 
it says I shouldn't have eaten that. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you see, you see how when you feel it, it's different than what you would have thought it was. You thought it could have been telling you to rest, but it says you shouldn't have eaten that. All right. So let's just for the moment, we come back as if we're going to rewind time so quickly that you can just drop back into the moment where you're going to know what is it that you ate that it's telling you you shouldn't have. So I'm going to count from five down to one, five, four, three, two, one. And as if that just becomes crystal clear. I'm getting so many things, so I don't know. I feel like it's a fruit of some kind. I feel like it's showing, I don't know what kind of fruit it is, but fruit came to my mind. Maybe if it's fruit, it has to be, I don't know. I didn't really have dessert. I'm thinking the bad things that I ate would have been maybe gluten, dairy, corn, soy. So letting the mind go. So this is your mind coming in. So with no expectation of what you think it might be. So just clearing that. Yeah, I'm just going to wipe it away and just dropping back into, I'm going to allow my subconscious to come up and really show me, show me, let me know in a way that's clear, what is it that I shouldn't have eaten that time? And allowing it to come from the subconscious. I appreciate the mind, but I'm not going to think about it. Five, four, three, two, one. And coming back to that moment, it can be something completely unexpected. I'm kind of getting chips. I don't know. Yeah, could be. Could be. Let me just feel into that a bit. I'm really feeling like it's something fruit or something really cold that you ate. Okay, that's the feeling that I got. It's very cold. Like it came out of a fridge and I kind of see it in a bowl. It doesn't it doesn't really matter what it is. <laughs> but you see the exercise is actually just beginning to practice talking with it because it may not be what your mind thinks it is it may not be oh well I should have just gotten more rest it may also be that but then we go to the subconscious layer one layer deeper to say well what could it really be okay so maybe and and each migraine is also potentially different right that's why being present with what's actually happening and what's the communication and message this time and maybe if you still get migraines, it's over time, you might actually see a pattern. And so that's why coming to the present moment and always actually talking to self, talking to higher self, establishing that deep connection to self to say, what is going on? What is actually the message here? What do I need to look at? Yeah. So for that, I'm just getting that it is food, but it's something very cold. I think you're, you're either drinking or eating something really cold that your body doesn't like. And that doesn't surprise me because, you know, especially when we're on our bleed time in the month, we need to keep our uterus warm. Okay. A lot of women have cold uteruses. And this is a, that expression is more Chinese medicine to say damp, to say cold. Mm-hmm. We don't want cold things. The worst thing that we can do is drink cold water, to drink you know, a beer or something like our uterus needs to be warm. So what I'm feeling is there's something really cold that you keep ingesting, at least for that time, whatever it is that whatever time you're referring to, that's what I'm getting. Mm. Your uterus so it could it either be, be avocado ice cream, or <laughs> I get a bowl of berries that are frozen and I eat that like at night yeah. for my treat. Yeah. Yeah, could be could be both of them actually. So avocados itself, as a as a vegetable or fruit, I don't even know what it is. I think it's a fruit. It's very damp. Okay, and ice cream like it's super cold. You know, those are very cold. They're super cold. <laughs> no cold things. <laughs> we want warm things for our little belly. Yeah, that that makes sense. It could be it, and that's exactly how we start communicating with our bodies. You'll be surprised. Mm, okay, I like it. All right. So I did want to ask you before we go, because I know it's getting towards the end, how does shamanic healing work and how is it different than something like Reiki, for example? Mm, Great question. So what we've been doing this session is energy medicine, but I've already been sharing with you my shamanic practice. So how I explain shamanic in a very simple way is that we acknowledge and recognize the spirit in all things. The spirit in the rocks, in the trees, in the elements around us. We acknowledge that we're all connected, right? We have spirits. We're working with our spirit guides. So how does it different than a system like Reiki? So I'm also a Reiki master. I started my energy practice with Reiki. 
And I think Reiki, you know, it's beautiful. It's source energy. I think some Reiki practices also use guides. But I think shamanic, you know, it's the core of who we are. Shamanic recognizing that we are in ordinary worlds and we're in non-ordinary worlds, this kind of subconscious realm. This is the cosmology of shamanism and that our cultures are very rooted in shamanism, not now in the modern day, but in the old days of working, right? Following the sun and the stars, following the cycles, our earth cycles, our moon cycles, our life cycles, and really coming back to more elemental things, right? Like even look at that cycle, we're talking about, you know, women's cycles. In a woman's cycle, it's really understanding the harmony of, you know, cold and hot, to moon time, you know, like what's actually going on in the body. We have to understand nature. So shamanism is about understanding nature of things and to really allow that as a map to serve as a, a map to understand our true nature. So that shamanic medicine that I've been practicing with you is as you're journeying to retrieve messages of what your thing could be, I'm actually already tuning into you and getting messages from my guides from source of what it is. So it's like, not just waiting for you to give me an answer. And I say, yep, that's it. It's like, I'm like really connected to you, feeling your vibrations, your energy. And we're having a two-way conversation, not just now in words, but in our energy field and at a spiritual layer. So this has actually been a demonstration of shamanic energy, (laughs) healing, actually. You've been receiving healing all along. (laughs) How Mm. does it feel? It can feel like, like nothing's it. happening, but in a, in a very subtle layer, there's so much your mind is actually catching up to. Yeah, I, I like it. I think it's it's a good way to tune in and just kind of figure things out. I like it. Yeah. I know that you also do hypnotherapy. How is that useful for medical cases? Yeah, hypnotherapy is definitely working with the subconscious mind. Because we have a lot of thoughts. We have to watch the quality of our thoughts. What are these subconscious programs at play? So I've actually, we've been, I've been showing you a little bit of a demonstration of how to connect to an energy, but then how to be aware of a program, that program of I'm not allowing self-respect. So that was actually picking out a subconscious thought. So hypnotherapy uses and allows, invites the clients to drop into it themselves so that they can find the moment. They can find the programs themselves and working in these altered states of consciousness so that we can unpick all the weeds of our poor thoughts. And then we're using that energy healing in order to help reframe, right? So as we've found the antidote or the healing that we need, we bring in the energy, sure. But also we need to catch the mind up, right? All the things that I've been explaining is because I'm explaining it to your conscious mind. The mind needs to cognize, needs to intellectualize to say what is actually working, right? Like as a healer, I needed to experience and understand, well, what is hypnosis? What's meditation? What's shamanic healing? How does that different than Reiki? I explored all those questions that you you asked me. Because if I can't answer it for myself, how can I share this? How can I share it in a way that it makes sense to myself and to others? So hypnotherapy is an excellent, excellent tool to use in combination with energy work in order to identify the programs that are running in the background and then really using them as a way to reprogram, right? Bring in the things that we want to bring in and really affect things at the subconscious layer energetic layer, spiritual layer, so that things can have more positive effect in our day-to-day, in our real life, in our 3D life. It's all real life. Excuse me for saying that, but how to bring those things and those subtle realms into something that has more physical form so that you can feel that wellness in the whole body, right? You know what wellness is. Wellness is the absence of PCOS is the absence of migraines, the absence of blah, blah, blah. So that's how we really recognize whether you have something or not. So we have to figure out what's in the way and then what are we working towards? So the the practices in combination together are super powerful to help people. So do you still get pain? 
Of course I get pain. (laughs) (laughs) We, look, we all have pain and to different degrees. So pain for you can be very different pain for me. So anytime I'm working with someone, it's actually gauging on the, you know, VAS scale. Well, on a scale of one to 10, you know, what, what pain level are you at? And your pain could be very different than mine. So I might not get period pains. I don't get migraines. I don't get, you know, that kind of pain, but I get sensations in the body that are communicating with me at all times, at all times. So let's just use that cold thing um, uh, for an example again. Almost immediately after drinking something cold, like a beer, for example, because I still like to enjoy, okay? We're not like depriving ourselves of enjoyment here. I like to enjoy a cold beer. But almost exactly after I drink that beer, I can feel it in the body. I can feel the sensations in my belly, in my uterus, that it does not like it. It did not like it. It was already immediately communicating to me that it's this uneasiness feeling there. And because I'm now, you know, let's call it more sensitive to things, as soon as I eat a meal, as soon as I do something that I wasn't meant to, I feel it in the body right away. So we don't want to get to when the body is screaming. There's this expression, if you don't hear the body when it whispers, you're going to hear it scream. And so I hear the whispers, you know, I didn't like the beer. Don't drink the beer. Okay, so I'm going to do that less often. You know what I mean? But I still get sensations. The body is communicating all the time, (laughs) all the time. Mm. So tell us a little bit about your freebie training offer, the introduction to intuition. Absolutely. So Everyone, you can start here because this training is discovering your intuitive power sense. So what I mean by that is some people, they see things with their inner sight. Some people, they feel it. It's a feeling they get in the body. Just like when I'm cueing you to say, what message did you get? So there's a couple of exercises, a couple of videos to explain what intuition is and how this is the beginning of you being able to hear, to hear the language of the body speaking to you, to hear the language of the infinite source and how it communicates. So this is where you start. And so all that tuning in that I did for you, this is the beginning, you know, being aware of the senses so that we can learn to really sharpen our ability to have that two-way communication with our body. So start there, start with that free training. And how can listeners receive a one-on-one session or program discount? They will find me on Instagram at I am Katara Sky. I am Katara Sky. And I want you to DM me. I want the truth. I want the truth. Because that's what I help. I help people to find the truth, the truth of their dis-ease, the truth of their lack of whatever. So message me. I want the truth. And I do. I do have a program coming up that's launching in March and really just helping people on their journeys to to start that path. So I'd love for you to find me on Instagram and find that free training on my website. You can find that at kataraskai.com. Wonderful. So is there anything else you would like to share with our audience before we have to go? Just to start the journey, be curious. It's this curiosity that's led me so far in my journey of health and happiness. So really, thank you for sharing all this time and energy together, cats, and inviting your whole audience and community to really connect to themselves. At the end of the day, our happiness comes with that deep and deep connection to ourself, our true self and our true nature. So I really hope to see some of you in my programs and working with me. Alrighty. Well, thank you again so much for coming on. And this was great. Thank you. And I'll see you soon. I had an episode a while back with Dr. Mona Fahum of Feminescence, and we spoke about Feminescence, Maca Harmony, and their Maca products. And if you're a woman who's ever had hormonal imbalances, if you're trying to come off the birth control pill, or even if you're going through menopause, this is a natural way to help ease that transition and to help balance your hormones. There's nothing quite like it. So go to feminescence.com, enter code CAT15, K-A-T-1-5, 
for 15% off any of their single pack products. And definitely go check out the episode. Just search for Mona Fahum on my podcast and listen. You won't regret it. Thank you for listening to the show. Please show your support for the podcast by leaving a five-star review. Learn more about the show and what I have to offer you at katkatibi.com. Consider being a part of the new Patreon, where episodes are ad-free and you'll find extra bonus content. Send a voicemail question or email me. Check the show notes for more information. This podcast is for informational merrymakings and metaphysical purposes only. Statements and views are not medical advice. This podcast, including Kakatibi, disclaim any adverse effects by the use of information you may have heard. Opinions of guests are totally their own. This podcast does not endorse statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications, credibilities, or sanity. Individuals may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to on the podcast. If you think you have a medical problem, consult with a licensed medical physician, not just the spirit of your ancestors while on ayahuasca.